This is the Music Therapy Chronicles podcast episode with the Peer Support Network. A big theme that we talked about was um, the concept of like unlearning. And um, there are just like, it seems to be like a collection of things that we learned in um, our music therapy training that we no longer align with or we got into the field and realized like maybe it wasn't as it seemed when we were in our studies. You're listening to the Music Therapy Chronicles a podcast about music therapy from a variety of perspectives. Our ambition is to inspire and connect listeners through meaningful conversations, just like the music therapy conference you can listen to anywhere. My name is Trisha Kayati. I'm your weekly host and a board-certified music therapist from the New England region. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe so you never miss an episode and consider leaving us a rating and review. We really appreciate them. You can find more podcast episodes, links to our pod courses, the self-care community, links to all of our social media, and get on our monthly newsletter all at musictherapychronicles.com. Thank you so much for choosing to listen to this show today. And you can always reach me by sending an email to hello at musictherapychronicles.com. Welcome back to the Music Therapy Chronicles. Today's episode is a fantastic conversation with Maria, Mata, Elizabeth, and Mira from the Peer Support Network, which is an amazing, I'm going to say, organization. (laughs) If you haven't heard of the Peer Support Network, these four wonderful individuals have created a free peer supervision um, ongoing space, (laughs) I'll say, where they are creating space for professionals to show up as they are, to have tough and deep conversations, to be seen and validated, and to have challenging discussions with compassion. And so it's a very unique space. There should be more spaces like this, I think we can all agree, but they have created something truly, truly special. Um, Getting to talk with them was such a privilege and I so appreciate everything they do and their ambition to continue to create a peer support space Um, because there are so many ways systematically that unfortunately supervision is not super accessible. We as music therapists and other Um, allied health professionals are, you know, isolated, we're tired, we just, you know, just we all need some community in our lives. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with them. Uh, As always, thank you for being here on the Music Therapy Chronicles. Thanks for making the time to listen to this episode. If you're looking for more ways to support the podcast, please 
consider following us on social media, get on our newsletter at uh, Music Therapy Chronicles. Our pod courses, uh, you can find links to those at musictherapychronicles.com or you can just head to mtpodcastcollective.com for lots of pod course opportunities. And if you're listening to this in real time, then you are one of the first people to know that one of our pod courses will be going on sale next week because it will be going into the MTPC vault. So if you haven't heard of the vault, this is what the Music Therapy Podcast Collective, what we do um, kind of when a course one of our pod courses could be revamped or edited or it just needs a little bit of resting time. So our pod course music is your superpower. We'll be going into the vault um, in just over a week and a half. So before then, it will go on sale between August 16th and 23rd. So you can purchase this pod course, which is um, six CMTEs. You can get it for the sale price of $60 starting next week, which is a pretty great value for CMTE credits. Um, and the pod course must be completed before November 1st in order to earn the CMTEs. But this will be the last chance to get this pod course before it goes into the vault. It might come out someday it might not. So if you want to um, stay up to date on that and know when the sale goes live, get on our newsletter, like I said, at musictherapychronicles.com and make sure you're on the MTPC newsletter at mtpodcastcollective.com. Then you'll know about all the awesome sales, the vault sales, the BOGO sales, all that kind of stuff. So anyway, I'll stop rambling about that. Let's get into this conversation with the Peer Support Network. All right, everybody, welcome to the Music Therapy Chronicles. We have uh, four of you here today. So to start us off, will you introduce yourselves to the listeners and will you say your name so that they can try and get a feel for whose voice goes with, um, with which person? For sure. Hi all, my name is Mira. Uh, should we say first and last name? Whatever you want. Okay, hello. <laughs> my name is Mira, I use they, them pronouns. Um, and I'm a music therapist, music educator, and vocalist currently living in Hershey, Pennsylvania. And I have two dogs. <laughs> my name. <laughs> my name is Elizabeth. Um, I'm a music therapist based in Sacramento, California. Um, currently working with uh, unhoused folks, mostly women, um, working with little kids, and just receiving support. Oh, can you hear the music in the background? <laughs> receiving support from the Peer Support Network. Hi everyone, my name is Maria. I use she, her pronouns. Um, and I'm a music therapist based in Los Angeles. I'm currently working with children and teens in an inpatient psych setting. Um, and I'm the social media coordinator for peer support. 
Hi there, my name is Mata. Um, I'm a music therapist working in the Chicagoland area. Um, right now I'm working in um, a special education population being in multiple school settings. Um, and I am the outreach specialist for Peer Support Network. Lovely. So you're all geographically in different locations, which is awesome. So I'm interested to hear kind of how you found music therapy, found each other, and then what the peer support network is for anyone who doesn't know. Yeah, I think maybe Mira can chime in on this question because they sort of brought us all together. But um, I know me, Elizabeth, I went to school with Mira and Maria, and then Maga actually reached out to us. Yeah, it was a, um, the like birth of the peer support network was very much a pandemic baby. It was like, um, you know, we've, we're all pretty much like four-ish years out of college, I believe. Um, and my puppy's digging in the background. <laughs> um, and we were like really in a space of needing supervision. Um, and so we were, Elizabeth, Maria and I ended up having a conversation on Clubhouse. I don't, I actually, it might've just been me and Elizabeth. I don't remember, but the, whatever. The three of us had a conversation on Clubhouse, um, which is an audio app and, um, you know, really just checked in with each other and discovered we all had this need for some sort of supervision and decided to um, get together a group of our peers for some peer supervision, peer support. And like Elizabeth said, Mata reached out and was like, I want to be helpful and be a leader in this space. Um, yeah, so that's kind of how um, we all got connected. It's all through social media, which is great. And then Elizabeth, Marie and I went to school together. What a great positive use of social media because it can, it can be pretty polarizing. So I love to see that or hear that, I guess. So what is the peer support network? What is it that you all do? What are you spearheading? So the peer support network is a like totally free resource for, um, it started off for new professionals with five or less years of experience, but we've since branched off to also providing some spaces for um, interns and students. We've even done a group for um, more seasoned professionals. And it's just a space for um, people to come together and provide support, provide resources, um, and support one another through these crazy, crazy times. Yeah. <laughs> Hence pandemic baby. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think it was important to us to create this space because I know for me personally, I was having a lot of trouble finding affordable supervision or even sliding scale supervision. Um, and so to have access to a space where there's no gatekeeping, there's no financial barrier. Um, we're just sort of talking about our experiences and learning from each other is really valuable. For sure. And I think, um, uh, like everyone has said so far, uh, main focus is that we provide a free 
um, we provide regular free opportunities for peer supervision. So right now we have it set up where there's a monthly 90 minute meeting um, that's free to folks um, who, who identify as a creative arts therapist. Um, and like Maria and Elizabeth and Mayor have said, uh, we're hoping to branch out in other ways, you know, with different opportunities and also maybe different groupings within the network. Yeah, do you want to expand on that or someone want to expand on that? Sure. Yeah, we um, so initially our vision was to provide the support for new music therapy professionals, but like the need is so great for this kind of resource because supervision is not affordable and a lot of creative art therapists as they're getting out of their education are not prepared for yeah. any anything <laughs> basically um a lot of po folks are dealing with imposter syndrome or you know they're just having trouble finding jobs they're not sure what they want to do and so we discovered that this need was a lot bigger than just a need that new professionals have and so mm -hmm. um we expanded to include students and interns of music therapy and actually in when was this? April, we presented at the New England Region Conference for Music Therapists and um, hosted a space there specifically for seasoned professionals. And we found that even like seasoned professionals who have been in the field for years and years and years are having so many of the same troubles that are that are um, that new professionals are experiencing. And so like we're hoping one day <laughs> hoping to expand to include like all all uh levels of experience within um, music therapists and then additionally other creative art therapists i think we'd love to have um like other peer support groups happening that are pretty much like self-sustaining like our group meets once a month and the four of us have been like we do the planning and all of that and most of the moderating within that group and our hope would be that we can empower other creative art therapists who might fall into other categories like seasoned professionals or art therapists dance movement therapists empower them to then create their own self-sustaining group and so then we would just be this giant network of free supervision free peer support that will hopefully then cause like some radical change within our fields that is very much needed Yes. I'm seeing snaps. Yeah. Maria, do you want to talk about like <laughs> how, like what we're doing on social media just to kind of like, what are some things you're working on to keep our, keep us moving and grooving and growing? Yeah, I think social media has, I really love it so much because of how much of like a community you can build. Um, mm. And I really like like the interactive feature about it. Um, so just getting the word out as much as we can um, has been really helpful to help us grow and have more people come in, um, especially since we kind of operate in this little music therapy bubble since we're all music therapists. So social media is kind of 
one of the only ways that we can really reach out to like dance therapists and art therapists, and movement therapists and um, yeah. all of that. Um, yeah, social media is also just really fun to <laughs> have people chime in on all the things that they might not necessarily want to chime in on at a at a formal meeting. So it's nice mm -hmm. to have like a separate resource also for people who might not necessarily want a structured peer supervision type meeting, but they still want access to like the resources that we're sharing and all that. Um, yeah, so TikTok's always fun. I haven't gotten with TikTok, but I appreciate <laughs> the effort. <laughs> yeah. It's a fun place, Trisha. You have to join us there. I feel like if I were to be there, I'd be very much the observer. <laughs> Like, I would just be one of those people who scrolls. Yeah. But, and you can yeah. do that for hours. So that's the hangout. Because <laughs> I would probably do that. I would so get caught in that cycle. Um, oh, yeah. And then nothing would get done. <laughs> that's, so. I mean, we rely on Maria for that because we just call it research. Like she's finding <laughs> out what's popular. <laughs> it's true, though. Like you, you need to know what's going on. But also, like you said, people can chime in, people can kind of like, give you direction when you feel like um, you're kind of in a lull. At least that's been my experience with social media is it's nice to have a place to give and take. A podcast is very much one-sided. You know, I put this out, listeners, you're listening to it, but um, I doubt one person would like send me an email about this episode and like give me their thoughts. Now I'm going to get a hundred emails, but like it's very one-sided. Um, where social media, you do, you can have that dialogue a little bit easier. And then, like I said, if you're not really sure where to go. You're not really sure where the need is. That's a great place to find the needs and just find trending music to use in your videos. Yeah, I mean, I think social media is how we decided on like what day we're gonna have our meetings and like what mm. time, because it's the only way to be able to figure out what the needs of the masses are by asking as many people as we can. So yeah. it's been helpful for sure. Totally. Yeah, and I think too, like social media, or at least like our presence on social media mimics the, like the vibe that we have mm -hmm. in our um, peer support like spaces. And so really we're like, yes, we're the facilitators or the moderators, but we're really there just to like create the space. Mm -hmm. um, but everyone, like all of the participants play um, just as active as a role, if not even more in like holding the space and um, continuing to foster the space. And I don't know, maybe we can talk more about like the flow of our um, meetings because I feel like that's um, a part of our peer support network that was created to help it like blossom with like being organic, but also, um, making sure that we're like creating a safe environment for people to receive peer support. Yeah. 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 So all of our monthly meetings follow the same structure. And of course, like the meat and potatoes, like the main part of it, um, the conversation is always going to be a little bit different, but we always start with, um, uh, like some sort of music or whatever to help people get settled in cameras are usually off just to help everyone get comfortable and 
then we get started with some intros and usually within this time we are saying our names our pronouns um and answering some sort of like ridiculous question yes. <laughs> just to like icebreaker. yeah get that icebreaker going and um also like help us get to know each other past music therapy because that's not all that we are you know we're multi-dimensional beings which is a big topic of conversation that we have in that group um and we also ask people to to describe their work in two words which helps us kind of um kind of like limit the focus on our work like i feel like when we ask like specifically two words like it just kind of helps us see like a check-in like kind of where everyone's at with what they're doing um rather than getting like a big spiel which we love and we need every you know every once in a while um but the focus is really to talk about some of these more professional issues um and not necessarily ruminate on like oh i had a like terrible day today you know yeah um yeah i think some people might interpret the question as like um what do you or like how is work going in this moment so they might say like terrible and fulfilling and that's like all we get that's the glimpse that we get into their work that day i'm curious what your answers are to that right now in this moment i mean usually mine lately has been too much (laughs) (laughs) yeah um mine is standing still Can I ask if that's a good or a bad? Like, is it right now? Is that a good thing or bad? Okay. We're just vibing. <laughs> I don't have any answers. <laughs> just standing still. Not we're like floating, you know? Um, well, I'm getting over a cute case of COVID. So I haven't been physically at work in a little while. But um, so for me right now, I think it's a little scary to jump back in um and exciting question mark um i would say anticipatory and fulfilling Hmm. i got the whole gambit yeah trisha what would you say unsupported chaos (laughs) (laughs) you win I I am so ready for this conversation. Anyway, (laughs) I love that though. I love that. Like, Hey, give us a snippet, be honest, but be concise because I'm sure that you have a lot of people at your meetings and like, you want everyone to feel welcome and supported in the space. And it needs to be that balance of, um, everyone needs to be seen or have the opportunity, but also you don't want the same person who's perhaps very extroverted and comfortable to always kind of be the glimpse you're getting. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that also kind of helps for the conversation to be more productive also, um, because I don't want it to seem like we don't want um, people coming in and like talking their, you know, uh, (laughs) airing out their grievances, (laughs) Um, because it does happen. And we love that because it's needed and it's, you know, therapeutic and all that. Um, But I think with like the with the questions that I think at some point we'll talk about how the rest of the meeting goes. Um, sometimes we have we pose questions, um, or folks will bring up specific areas of need. And through that, I feel like people are still able to feel seen and validated and heard 
just not in like a rant format but it is needed sometimes we all love a good yeah. rant <laughs> yeah yeah and i think also we're really mindful of like how much mic time people get um, and that's actually in like our group guidelines, which is something that Elizabeth reads at every meeting for us. Um, and I don't know, Elizabeth, do you want to share a little bit about what those guidelines are? Yeah, they, they're pretty standard. I think um, it's just like making sure that people arrive on time. So it's not distracting when they come in and out, um, like Zoom etiquette, not having your camera on while you're like moving around and distracting everyone. Um, we try to give people about five minutes, five to 10 minutes per topic. Um, and it, it tends to flow, so it's not like, okay, we're done with this. But um, it's just so that everyone gets a chance to speak. Um, and then, yeah, there's just a bunch of little ones in there. I don't know if there's any crucial ones I'm forgetting. And then we move on to like the the core values of our of our group, which Mira reads. Yeah, our our core values are essentially um, that the peer support network monthly meetings are a space for all of us to explore various topics, but we don't tolerate any of the isms like racism, transphobia, um, ableism, things like that. <clears throat> Any form of oppression, we try to make clear that that won't be tolerated in our space. Um, but it's also a place to explore topics related to that. Like, it's not like we're gonna say like, you cannot mention racism. Like, it's more so that like, you know, you need to be, aware of who you are and the privilege that you hold in that space and you know how you're how you're navigating the conversation through your various identities um and that really plays a lot into how our space is different from other spaces mm -hmm. um especially within the creative art therapy fields because especially within the music therapy field because it seems like the topic of oppression and power and privilege has been happening, but not in every space. And because we have a wider audience and we have a lot of folks like coming in through our peer support group, um, it's really important for us to uphold those values. That way we make sure that people are feeling um, at least cared for and feeling brave to um, be in that space. And it's a huge, need <laughs> a huge need in our profession um and so yeah i don't know just personally i that's like one of the biggest um motivators for me within this group is that it is one of the few spaces that is specific to music therapy that i've been in that is also also has an anti-oppressive framework yeah and then after we read that we usually so if it's just a general meeting um i feel like there's a very specific phrasing that we use we say like does anyone need support with anything today <laughs> mira always says it in a very like calming voice um and then sometimes we have themes too um like coming up in august i think we're doing self-care sneak peek 
Um, but we're kind of taking the spin on it of like, why is self-care commodified and a lie? And like, how do we actually practice it? <laughs> yes. Spoiler no, alert. No chill conversations here. Well, I love that. Uh, this episode will be out in August, so that'll be perfect. Um, perfect. But I have a CMTE course that I is about self-care, but it's labeled personal development is professional development. And I did that intentionally. And I also run a self-care community that's based on the eight dimensions of wellness and like looking at the hard questions in each of those and like, Hey, like do your self-care. That's important. But also let's talk about why music therapy is such a big part of our identity. And let's talk about why we feel uncomfortable in our financial life. And let's like, so I am all for a honest self-care chat <laughs> yeah hell yeah trisha that's awesome because <laughs> also like i don't know that's i just find self-care within the music therapy community just so hypocritical because music therapists are the worst at practicing self-care oh. and also there's like no emphasis on community care like right okay great <laughs> literally why i started the community because i was like oh the, the narrative is you feel badly, do self-care and feel better. So the responsibility is always on you. Feel better, do the things to make yourself feel better. But there's no systematic or communal way to support each other in that, which is why I created the community. Because I was like, hey, we, we need to like do the things for ourselves. That's important. But we also need to be with other human beings who can see and validate us and like have those experiences alongside us. Um, so yeah, I'm preaching to the choir, but thank you for listening to my TED Talk. <laughs> we love it. <laughs> Um, with like within that that line of conversation, I feel like a common theme we talk about in peer support network um, revolves around like having very candid conversations about like these systematic issues that all impact us as music therapists or that we contribute to and like, uh, Mira's a total boss at like talking about all of the systemic issues but um, I think like at least for me personally that is um, like one of the biggest issues that I have seen um, really like evoke a lot of emotion during our peer support network meetings because people have like talked about um, you know, job transitions, like, during peer support meetings, and they've, like, talked about struggling to navigate that, or um, negotiating pay, and maybe, you know, being, being asked to do something that they may perceive to be, like, borderline scope of practice, and, and, like, they're, I think the reason why this space is so needed is because we're, professionals doing our jobs with a lot of gray area mm. and it's like time it's time we stop pretending as professionals that it's that like music therapy is black and white because it's not and like we all know that but I feel like um maybe folks are like quick to kind of jump on one another when those gray areas come up and it's like that's why we need this space. We need like other people to talk through those things with, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And we need 
also compassion in those spaces. And I think we really have that within our peer support network, but that's, it's hard to see sometimes when like those gray areas come up online, like on our, all of our infamous ridiculous Facebook groups, like gray areas are going to come up because music therapy is not black and white and being human isn't. So Mm -hmm. like those gray areas are going to come up. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to experience all of these like tough stuff and we need to be meeting each other with compassion and care, which is how we are supposed to be meeting our clients. But for some reason, there seems to be a disconnect and we're not always able, it seems like we're not always able to meet each other with, with compassion and care. And that does the field such a disservice because mm-hmm. it like plays into burnout. It plays into the imposter syndrome. It plays into this lack of community that so many music therapists, especially new professionals experience. Um, and so I'm really grateful that like our space has that compassion because um, I, I don't really see it that many other spaces. Yeah, I think at like music therapy conferences, I feel the need to show up as like only a music therapist who has one job and I dedicate all of my time to it. But the reality is like it doesn't provide me any financial security at the moment. So I've always shown up to these meetings as like a dog sitter, also doing groups that aren't really music therapy, but we're making music also just like having a bunch of different roles and I think it's nice that I can come to the space and talk about my entire life and ask for advice on like how to maybe shift where I'm gaining my finances or like asking for advice um but also just being real about where I'm at as a professional because even though I'm in year four of this thing like I'm not I'm not running my own business. I don't have thousands of clients. It's it's struggle. Yeah. And that's something that was really interesting that came up. Um, I don't remember what meeting it was. It was a couple months ago, um, but there was a group of maybe like 15 or so of us. And someone said, just curious, like raise of hands. Can if you're not doing music therapy full time, can you raise your hand? And it was super surprising to see almost everybody was raising their hand. Um, and I, yeah, and it was really one validating because I'm also not doing music therapy full time now. Um, but it's also really interesting. Like, why is it like that? Why is music therapy such a non-sustainable field? Even I did have a full time job in music therapy. I could have stayed um, and gotten all of my income from there, but I was super burnt out and I needed a change. Um, so why is it that? as itty bitty babies in the field, we are already feeling like we need a break and we need a step away. Yeah. Yeah. And also why did we have that narrative given to us that we can have full-time jobs in a sustaining, sustainable way, right? It's a lie. Right. (laughs) Spoiler. (laughs) Right. It's like, I don't know, we we have to do a lot of unlearning. And I, I don't know, maybe Mata, you can speak a little bit about um, 
some of the like unlearning topics that we've talked about in our groups? Yeah, I was just about to kind of chime in on that too. Um, so we were able to present at the, um, oh geez, what was it? Was it 2021 um, AMTA virtual conference? Um, and that was like our first um, experience of presenting as peer support network. Um, and so we talked a lot about in depth about all of these, you know, things that we're talking about today that we were able to like back up with research and studies specifically to music therapy, but also in um, the creative arts therapies um, in general as well. And so a big theme that we talked about was um, the concept of like unlearning. And um, there are just like, it seems to be like a collection of things that we learned in um, our music therapy training that we no longer align with or we got into the field and realized like maybe it wasn't as it seemed when we were in our studies. Um, so one of them, like they all said, um, the the idea of like having this one full-time music therapy position and like that's where your entire income comes from. Um, we also talked about um, I think we talked a lot about unlearning, um, like, uh, for like furthering our education, right? How there's this concept that like in order to further our studies, it would, it would most likely be a music therapy masters. Um, but then you get out into the field and you realize that there are so many options, um, and not just that, but there are so many options that could be incredibly beneficial for you and your practice. Um, let's see, what, what other topics did we talk about when it came to unlearning? Well, I can just to kind of um, bounce off of that, like um, I think when people talk about higher education in our groups, they are more training on counseling like it's the verbal skills that are really lacking because i know even in my experiences i've been asked to step outside of my um i'm, I'm blanking on the phrase but like range of practice what's scope of practice there's the word um yeah <laughs> i've been asked to step outside of my scope of practice like constantly and it's really hard to stick to that because you're like i kind of know what i'm supposed to do and like there's no other staff here or like this place is severely understaffed and this person is clearly asking for help so um it just like drives you to want to get uh, degrees in maybe things that aren't music therapy specifically but are really adjacent mm. um, and then like that kind of leads into the topic of like well then who can really afford to be a quote-unquote full music therapist because if you need all of this really expensive training uh, it's just going to be like rich white women so which it um, is I plot twists <laughs> sorry <laughs> no it's yeah 
it's frustrating. And so then those are kind of the only faces we see. But in our meetings, I feel like we see the faces of the the music or well, the creative arts community that we want to see. Um, and then I know for me personally, I'm doing my master's in child development. And I feel like when I say that in spaces of um, maybe more traditional music therapists, they're like, hmm, why? And like in our group, it's like, cool, why? Like there's just like more yeah. celebration and openness to it. Yeah. The compassion and care. I feel like also like so much of this, like Elizabeth was speaking about um, stepping outside of our scope of practice. And I feel like that the idea of scope of practice was kind of like, I learned about that in college and in like my internship, I was consistently asked to step out of my scope of practice. And I feel like that is, I mean, you know, whatever internship I could talk about that for hours, but um, more so thinking about how it kind of feels like that stems from like a lack of respect for ourselves within the music therapy field, like lack of respect for our own time boundaries, for our own personal boundaries, like um, almost like we're taught to just always be available, always put ourselves out there, always be advocating, like you're always a music therapist. And it's like, it's like I, I felt like I didn't have permission to be anything else. And so when I finally like let go of, started to let go of that idea of like detaching music therapists from my core identity, like I was able to start saying no to opportunities. And I was able to start like recognizing when something wasn't in my scope of practice. Um, and it kind of, I don't know, it, maybe it's just like the small population of music therapists that I've seen, but it feels like almost a recurring theme that there's a lot of folks who don't know how to set boundaries for themselves and don't know how to stick to them um, and then are taken advantage of by their employers um, or their coworkers or whomever, their clients. And that to me feels like very preventable. Like that is something we could have learned about in our education and our um, internships and all of that. But I feel like I was taught the opposite to like always be available and never respect myself or my boundaries. But it was like unspoken, you know? I don't know, did y'all have that like experience? Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah, and I feel like it does kind of come from this, I don't know, I feel like I've seen such like an innate insecurity in our field uh, where we're constantly advocating for music therapy as a valid job for us having a purpose of being there, especially in sort of like a medical facility where you need to prove yourself and prove why you're there. So I think there can be that expectation for you to always take any opportunity because any opportunity is exposure and exposure is good for the field. And then more people will know about music therapy. And then you have to take the whole music therapy field and put it on your back and pretend like you're the only one who's carrying it. 
which is such a crazy idea. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if it's just like a, is it a me thing? No, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It seemed like that was something that we were, I was taught throughout and then just seeing um, people that I really looked up to in the fields also be trailblazers and do amazing work, but then sort of me not understanding what my own boundaries would be. Like, okay, just because I see someone else doing a million and one things and carrying it, quote unquote, well, um, does that mean that I have to do the same thing and I have to also carry all of that well and you know, start my own business too on the side? that's too much (laughs) too much and like I feel like I was taught more about how to give presentations how to be an advocate how to like create fact sheets and these different things and I literally had one conversation on boundaries and one conversation on like like improving like self-care like things like that and there were so many, like every class assignment had something to do with advocacy, like make a brochure, um, work on this website, like all that, which I understand, like music therapy is a developing field. But also if we're continuously doing that and we're continuously like saying yes to everything, it undermines our value. And then people also don't understand what a music therapist can do because we're doing freaking everything. Like that doesn't help anyone (laughs) at the end of the day. Like it, I feel like that doesn't even serve our clients because then that just continues to more music therapists being burnt out. And then like folks aren't going to have access to music therapists if we're all exhausted, you know, ridiculous. Yeah. And just like you had said, we know from, you know, our our presentation at AMTA and just in general and with research that there's a huge, um, there's like a huge uh, jump in professionals who leave the field within the first, what, five years, right? And all of these issues that we're talking about and recurring things that people come to our peer support network meetings to talk about and gain perspective and troubleshoot and brainstorm those are all things that contribute to burnout, like incredibly. And so I feel like us just being able to like hold space for other people to talk about those things is like a step forward in the right direction. Yeah, I think we've seen some really beautiful journeys of people um, leaving jobs that haven't served them Um, and that's really hard to admit so it's really cool in our space where they're like I'm unhappy what do I do and we also like of course support if someone needs to leave the field like you have to do what's best for you it's not like you shouldn't just be clinging on to it in the hopes that like it's all gonna work out we really like we value that unconditional support of like you have to do what's best um And sometimes it's really not a healthy space for everyone. Yeah, and those folks who leave the field are also still welcome to join our meetings. We have, we get a lot of um, DMs and stuff from people who say like, I haven't been in the field for this many years, but I still feel like I need 
support in this space and they're always more than welcome. So I think, um, I don't know, kind of returning back to the structure of our meetings, like basically how we just talked is how our meetings go. Like people will be like, am I weird for thinking this? And we're all like, no. And then that continues on for about an hour. Um, and then we do, um, do we do grounding or takeaways first? Takeaways. We do takeaways, which is really special. Um, and Mada leads that. And um, sometimes she'll just say like, you can type in the chat a sentence of what you took away from this meeting. And um, usually people say things like, I am valuable or I can advocate for myself. Like. Um, so even if we are discussing like heavy topics or feelings of hopelessness, usually people leave our meetings with feelings of like, I'm not alone or, um, I feel supported. And then, um, so after takeaways, Mira usually leads the group in grounding, um, and that often involves some voice work, which Mira has researched and, um, leads regular groups in, so... Um, I think that specific kind of grounding allows people to sort of check in. It's like a physiological check-in um, after we've had maybe such cerebral conversations. Um, mm -hmm. And it can either turn into like a silly thing or just like a very meditative thing. And then we say, see ya. <laughs> Bye. Um, and like, I don't know, it's just so like when we were first starting our groups, I would like pretty frequently get messages from attendees saying like, wow, that was so helpful. Or like, I would feel so inspired afterwards that I would like send voice messages to people and be like, thank you so much for coming. Like, it means so much that you're part of this. And also like, just reminders of like you're doing so great like it's gonna be okay um and i think that really speaks to how like this community also like exists outside of mm. the zoom space like it's um it's like we were saying earlier with the social media it's how we like engage with our participants and like it's turning into such a beautiful space that we actually have like two people who've regularly attended who are willing to like step up and moderate so that we can take a little bit of a break because we've been doing this for almost a year and a half. Um, and it's it's really fulfilling and it's really exhausting to be doing this and not getting paid and you know it's it's. It's a really beautiful community and also it's beautiful to see how invested some of these folks are in that like they want to buy the merch they want to be moderators they want to start their own groups and like that is so like hopeful because there's so much big change happening in these groups like people leaving jobs and things like that and like the fact that they want to then keep doing it and keep advocating for more change is like so freaking cool we did that y'all like we're making this space happen and all the participants are making this space happen which is so beautiful
I think I think something really cool about this is the fact that um well I I wasn't the you know um originator of this but when I came into it it was it was kind of cool because I had like maybe a different perspective than y'all did but I came into this I kind of wiggled my way in but I came into this um uh knowing like this is a community that is actively growing but like is going to continue to grow and that's Mm. that seems like the whole point of peer support network there at this point there's no like cap to the expansion of peer support network I mean I think at this point we have like over a hundred members of peer support network um and we have been having consistent monthly meetings and we have like a group of frequent flyers, like Mira said, people who um, will regularly attend our meetings. And, um, you know, we, like, the space was created because, like, they needed this space just as much as other people needed it, right? Like, we really need the space for ourselves. Um, And Elizabeth said one, said something one time that really stood out to me. And she said, um, like, guys, if, if like this wasn't going well, we would have had a meeting where no one showed up. And like to this point, we still haven't had a meeting where no one has showed up. So it just tells you like there really is this underlying need for peer supervision and affordable supervision in our field. I, I was actually just about to say, because <laughs> I'm working at a nonprofit right now where we're trying to transition like back from virtual to kind of hybrid, and it is impossible to get people to show up to things. So the fact that we haven't had a meeting yet where we're, it's just the four of us like chilling, which we would be fine with, but <laughs> we would much prefer that people come and show up to our meetings, and they really do, and they're, they're really ready to talk. Um, which kind of shows maybe how much more of these kind of spaces we need. Yeah. You all took the words out of my mouth because I was going to say, mention how admirable it is that you not only like you saw, this is needed, this is why, and we're going to do it and we're going to stick with it and we're going to keep doing it because we see that the need has not gone away. Um, So I do, and affordable supervision, I'm 100% with you, but I also, as someone who uh, puts out free stuff all the time, I also know that like, it's important to be supported. So what are ways that listeners can energetically, financially, emotionally feed back into you all um, and make sure that, you know, doing such a beautiful thing doesn't burn you out because it takes a lot. Yeah, I think we've talked about, um, I mean, we did have one donation-based event um, back in February, I believe, Um, and there's a lot of technology that we have to figure out with that, um, but hoping to have more of those so that um, people can either pay um, more to support someone else to come and participate, or um, someone doesn't have to pay all um, so still kind of removing those financial barriers, but making sure that we're not 
totally burning ourselves out. Um, and then I think Mira spoke on having kind of a rotating facilitator model, and so uh, encouraging our participants to step up and be the leaders in our group so that we can just be attendees. It's kind of a, a self-sustaining model. Totally. Yeah, I think a big thing to, um, like because we are a free service and we um, are just like the four of us doing everything, like it is so helpful when, like especially on social media as that like, we need our things to be engaged with. And Maria does an excellent job of creating engaging content. Um, and also like, if you're listening, like check it out and also share it. Like you don't have to put it to your story, but like just send it to someone or save it or something. And like, that is so helpful because it helps us grow the community and it helps us then like further just make like the voices of peer support network a little bit louder on on social media apps um and that can hopefully you know spark further change like helping us make our donation based events a little bit louder and um helping us bring in some really awesome professionals to maybe do some lectures or um like a webinar or something um yeah so doing things like that um i think would be really helpful for anyone who wants to support us. Yeah. And if you're not following our Instagram, it is underscore peer support network. Just a shameless little plug. Not shameless at all. That's the whole point, right? Is our TikTok the same or is it a different handle? Unsure. <laughs> I am also unsure as it is not on my phone currently, but I can look that up. Hold on. And I'll find it and link it all. Okay, great. Thank you. As long as it's not something crazy, like no, no, it's... it either has the underscore or it doesn't have the underscore. That I can know. figure out. Yeah, <laughs> I think I'm not that tech challenged. We cool. also have a Facebook group that we're trying to um, get started. That Mata is uh, currently facilitating and moderating. Um, yeah. yeah. So if you'd like to join us on there, um, you can just type in um, peer support network for creative arts therapists. And we have a little like sun, little cute little sunshine. Um, and you can join that group. We're trying to get some more movement going on there. And by we, I mean me, because sometimes I lack motivation. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Facebook groups are tough. Yeah, it's, I think it's important for us to be on all those platforms because um, even though we're a group of like youngish music therapists, I think it's important to keep like connecting the different generations of music therapists. 100%. We all need to hear from each other. Totally. This podcast is sponsored by the Music Therapy Podcast Collective, also known as MTPC, where you can find a variety of CMTE opportunities in the form of pod courses. All of MTPC's pod courses are built on a listen, learn, apply model, 
where you start by listening to some assigned podcast episodes, then move into learning with the assistance of a workbook filled with resources for you to start your self-study towards whatever topics are most interesting, inspiring, and applicable to your practice. And then we finish with the apply section, which includes an office hour and a worksheet to determine how you are going to apply your learning to your personal life or professional practice. You can find all the Music Therapy Chronicles pod courses on our website, musictherapychronicles.com, and you can find the entire catalog of pod courses at MTPC's website, mtpodcastcollective.com. Make sure you also get on the MTPC newsletter for 10% off your first pod course purchase. And don't forget that our vault sale for our pod course, Music is Your Superpower, will go live next week. Cool. All right. So the questions are short. Your answers don't have to be, um, I guess, unless you want to get out of here. (laughs) All right. The first one is coffee or tea? Coffee. Uh, coffee <laughs> tea but specifically matcha coffee coffee early bird or night owl none of them <laughs> like in the 8 a.m an afternoon chicken <laughs> <laughs> so we all well okay the three friends went to school together they went to undergrad together so but we like all met for the first time in San Francisco when was that just like a couple months ago which was which was wild again because pandemic baby so I feel like um I got a very accurate representation (laughs) of who's an early bird and who's a night owl and neither (laughs) um I'm I am an early bird Something you would tell your younger self. This is my favorite question. (laughs) Calm down. Yeah. (laughs) I think that's a pretty good one. Just relax. You're fine. Everything's going to be okay. Yeah. I would say you can take up space. I'd say it's not always as bad as it seems. Your music therapy elevator speech. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, okay. (laughs) Well, I ask this because it's nice to hear the differences. So I'll say that. Yeah, there's no wrong answer, no right answer. Okay. Um, I'd say music therapy is using music to help people reach their goals that can look like helping someone move their arm a little bit further, helping someone feel, um, their feelings, uh, processing grief, things like that. And we can work with any age. We can work anywhere. We rule the world.
Just kidding. Not that last part. That's what we're trying to combat, <laughs> that ego. But okay, I'm done talking now. <laughs> and that's your exact speech. <laughs> <laughs> Truly. Um, I think my speech depends on context, but I say something similar of like using music, um, to, I do use the phrase target non-musical goals, but I'm trying to not, um, I don't know. I feel like right when I say that people check out, um, <laughs> it's really cool. but I'll usually kind of give an example of maybe something that happened in the past week for me, like, Oh, I was just working with a person and they were um, struggling with expressing themselves this week. So we wrote a song together and this is what happened. And I feel like when I bring in that personal element, people feel like I'm not lecturing them. Um, I normally say using music to achieve therapeutic goals. And then I just give an example. Mine is pretty much the same. I'll, I like bringing in the NICU example because people love babies. Um, and it's I think it's kind of easy to visualize also. Your favorite self-care practice. Crying. That sounds like a weird answer, but it like really feels good. <laughs> like it's really telling that this is a hard one to answer. You can pick more <laughs> than one. It's okay. Uh, I love watching TV. Whether or not that's self-care, I don't know, but. As if it is to you. Sure. Yes. Love it. I like walking my dog if he's nice to me that day. He just turned one and he's a menace to society. So sometimes it's like a really fun walk and other times he's just dragging me around the neighborhood. But either way. TikTok, it's really a problem. I should have said that. There. Yes, Mata. <laughs> Something that's currently adding value to your life. The peer support network. <laughs> I feel like that's I've been the waiting for that. <laughs> hey. Um. Other than that, I would say my dog Petunia. I would say my two dogs, Sona and Scotty. Gotta say Bowie. He's my dog. My child. I have a one-year-old. <laughs> He's cute and squishy. A lot of our meetings are like me, Mira, Maria talking about our animals and Mother's like, I am a mother. And we're like, yes. <laughs> we just pretend. <laughs> Her babies count. Her babies count. <laughs> yes. All right. Two more. 
your favorite intervention or song to use in a session? I'm a big uh, improviser. So anything that hasn't been written yet. I feel about life. Um, for me, there was the one song called Healing by the artist Fletcher that I don't remember which one of y'all um, said it as like our opening song for a peer support meeting, but um, I ended up using that um, song with like a blackout poetry lyric analysis um, type of intervention, and it was really, really cool. Selfishly, my favorite song that I've used recently is On Track by Tame Impala. I use it with my teens and it was so cool. And I just love that song too. I, one of my placements right now is with like little, little kids and they are like thriving with five little ducks right now. I have like, <laughs> Um, this piece of felt and these laminated ducks on it and they all just gather around and they're like five, four, three. It's just like every time. It's very exciting. <laughs> yes. Um, I think Rachel ran back five, five snowflakes something that there's a winter version for you. Thank yes. you. You're welcome. <laughs> cool. All right. Last one. You mentioned these, but throw them out again. Where can the listeners find you and connect with you instagram tiktok uh, twitter and where facebook. we and facebook <laughs> we had like one tweet that i made maria tweet out and then we had to delete it because it was so inappropriate um but theoretically we're also on twitter <laughs> cool our Twitter is at Peersep Network. Everything's different. We really should mainstream all this stuff, but you know. Makes us quirky. Okay. Yeah. And also we also you have, have to find it available. Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say, we also have a main email that you can reach us at. Which we got is it all. It's uh, mtpeersup at gmail.com. Also we different. also have a website, but I don't know the name of it. So that one will just email to you, Trisha. <laughs> well, got it. Awesome. Well, thank you everybody for making the time and coming to talk to me and share with the listeners. I love everything that you're all doing. Uh, it's invaluable. And you know that already, but I would like to echo that because we all need to hear it. So it's invaluable. Thank you for all you're doing. And I can't wait to see where it goes. Um, not to say that like, hey, having one group a month is great. And like, that's awesome. But yeah, you, the, the ripple effect of just affecting people in a positive way each month and that like going out into the ethers um, is a beautiful thing. Yeah. Thanks, Trisha. Thanks for having us. This is really fun.
Thank you so much for being here today, for spending your time over here on the Music Therapy Chronicles. I hope that you got a lot out of this conversation. You learned something. Perhaps if you haven't heard of the Peer Support Network before, you now know, firstly, that they exist, um, and you can follow the links in the show notes to get involved, to be included, um, and benefit from this amazing resource that they are creating. And as I said in this episode, I can't wait to see the ripple effect of, um, I'm going to say in general, what young professionals, not solely young professionals, but like that conversations like this are happening, spacing spaces like this are popping up and there is a shift happening in our profession where we are acknowledging the, um, shortcomings that we have and we are actively doing things to change those yeah and I look forward to seeing where that takes us so thank you again for listening to today's episode I'll see you in the next one Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode. I really hope you enjoyed this conversation and got a lot out of it. If you're looking for more Music Therapy Chronicles, you can check out our website, musictherapychronicles.com, for more episodes, blog posts, social media links, um, contact information, our self-care community, and our CMTE opportunities in the form of pod courses. Hop on our monthly newsletter if you haven't already and follow us on social media for just staying up to date on what's going on behind the scenes. We are Music Therapy Chronicles on all of the platforms. Please take a moment to leave us a rating and review. They really help the podcast be more visible so more people like you who are looking for this type of content can find it. Thank you again for taking the time to listen to this week's episode, and I'll see you in the next one.